What should the relationship look like between the church and sports? What should the relationship look like between a chaplain and an athlete? On this episode of the Competing for Christ podcast, not only do we answer these questions, but we have someone on that knows a great deal about how God can use the local body of believers and the chaplains on our sports teams to spread the gospel in sports. Bob Dyer, founder and CEO of Seed Sports, joins the show today to talk about equipping the church, equipping chaplains, and equipping athletes, and how all of these things can work together for God's glory. So, for those who recognize the name Seed Sports, we had Seed's COO on, Bob Schindler, just a couple of months ago. But I wanted to have Bob Dyer on today to discuss the background of Seed Sports and the role of both sports chaplains and the local church in sports, as this is a topic that, in my opinion, isn't touched on enough in our world. So as you listen today, listen out for key topics like Bob's work within NASCAR, his passion for equipping chaplains in the church for sports ministry, and a look into what it takes to run an international sports ministry. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Competing for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Ken Burke, and today our guest is Bob Dyer, founder and CEO of Seed Sports. Bob, thank you so much for coming on today. As we kick it off, I really wanted to ask you, have you always been called to sports ministry? Well, you know, that's a that's a matter of um, of, of how you word that, that question, but uh, I think in, in God's mind, probably yes. But in, I didn't know about it till later on in my life. Uh, I was uh, I was born and raised in Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, really sports was really the god of my life. Uh, growing up, uh, my my idolatry was all about sports and competition and winning, and uh, I didn't know that until later on. I became a Christian my senior year in high school through a ministry called Young Life, and uh, heard the gospel and. Uh, um, Turned to Christ for my significance and my uh, salvation, and uh, um, uh, really, um, it took me a number of years doing some different things, and then finally, in uh, the late uh, the late 80s, uh, God began to to move me into an area of sports ministry, uh, and I, I think He really uh, in, enjoyed seeing me take something that had been my idol and turn it into ministry. And so uh, in uh, about 1990, I really started getting involved in sports ministry when I went to a, a, a the sports uh, Inter- International Sports Coalition meeting out in Dallas, Texas. So I really uh, didn't get involved till about 1990. How I looked it up, how did you go from earning a computer science degree to going around the world preaching and sharing the gospel through sports? You know that's that's one of those God things, um, <laughs> and uh, my my background was really a computer science degree undergraduate at South Carolina. Uh, that was back in the days where we had punch cards and uh, computers were about the size of a a, a house, and uh, they could do about as much as our phones can now. But um, I got a computer science degree. Then I went to Ohio State, worked on a master's degree in computer science there. I was really I was really turning into a nerd, and. Uh, uh, most of the people were working toward a PhD in this crazy thing called artificial intelligence, and and I was like, 
artificial intelligence that'll never that'll never happen. That's just a, a far out idea. And so I went I went for a year and I taught at Ohio State and I uh, didn't really like it that much. I liked the people, but I didn't like the the study. So I transferred, came back to South Carolina and got an MBA. So I have not only. I have a computer science degree, but an MBA, and went to work for a company down in Florida called Harris Corporation. And um, uh, meanwhile, really trying to follow the Lord, and uh, had become an elder in, in our church, and really was uh, involved in ministry, but uh, was still uh, earning my occupation really in the in the computer software world. And um, uh, I, I think God really began to to work in my heart when my dad died in 1987. And I realized that I had really lived my life to please my dad. And I was really doing the things that I was doing uh, because my dad wanted me to. And I was trying to be a good son. And uh, that's, that's, a hard, uh, that's a hard thing to follow. And I think most men may be caught up in that dilemma. Is they're either trying to live their life the way their dad wants them to, or the opposite of that, if they're in a rebellious state. And uh, I probably did a little bit of both, but uh, uh, that was really how I uh, kind of was in the in the in the technology world. And then I, I, when I uh, when my dad passed away, I felt like I really could do what God called me to do, and not what my dad had called me to do. And I didn't know what that was. I thought that was just ministry. And so I went on the staff of a church in 1988 uh, here in Charlotte called Christ Covenant Church, and. Um, uh, started serving as a uh, kind of a director of ministries, kind of an executive pastor type role. Uh, since I didn't have a seminary degree, but I had a, a, a an MBA, they said, well, if he can run companies, he probably can help run this church. So uh, I, I went that direction. So you go through college, you go, you're in church ministry. How did you and why did you establish Seed Sports? I would love it if you just gave the background and where that even started. Well, I, we could probably talk for an hour on that, but I won't, I'll try to summarize it. Um, 1990, I went to the International Sports Coalition, and I, there were about 200 people there from all over the world, and I realized that God was really using a universal language to impact the world with the gospel. And there really are two universal languages in our world today, sports and music. And, you know, the Apostle Paul would probably... If he were alive today, he'd either be a musical athlete or an athletic musician, okay? Because he would use the tools of the day. He, he said, to the weak I became weak, to those under the law I became under, like those under the law, to win as many as possible. He knew how to use the tools of the day to connect with people. And I believe the way we connect with people today is through sports and music, Probably 95 to 99% of the world is impacted by sports and music on a daily basis. So why aren't we using those tools to impact people with the gospel? And, and I don't mean just proclamationally, I mean relationally, okay? And I think that's the difference. I think uh, the Billy Graham movement really moved us toward a proclamational model, which I think was very effective in many situations and in many cultures today still is. But I believe that the long-term impact uh, on the world with the gospel is going to come through relational ministry, not proclamational ministry. We proclaim Christ as we live for Christ, not as we just say it to a one-to-many uh, setting. And so um, 
we started Seed Sports because we really wanted to, um, I got about 30 people together and I said, hey, I think I really want to start this ministry called, uh, back then it was called Carolina Sports Outreach. And we want, to, we want to work to mobilize churches to use sports, which not many churches were back then. And then we also want to do chaplaincy work. Those were the two things that I had done. I had worked with a ministry called Motor Racing Outreach and done that in the, in the NASCAR world uh, from, from 88 till about 93. Um, excuse me, I'm wrong. From about 93 to about 96. I got my dates wrong. Um, and and I'd started, I worked with the church before that, developing a sports ministry called SOAR, which grew to, want to be one of the largest sports ministries in, in America, in a local church. And so I said, we ought to be doing both of those things. And so we started out Carolina Sports Outreach just to do those two things. We want to mobilize churches. We want to mobilize the masses of people who are in churches because everybody can play sports and everybody can be a testimony for Christ in how they play sports. And then secondly, we want to do chaplaincy work. We want to work with sports organizations and teams and individuals and impact them through chaplaincy. So that's why we do what we do today. And nobody was really doing it then. The only person in um, about 96 when we started Carolina Sports Outreach that was really doing that was a guy named Roger Oswald. And Roger was really a pioneer, and he's one of my heroes. Uh, he's kind of semi-retired out in California now, but he really, he really started working with churches, but he was doing it a little bit differently. And so our strategy became a little different in terms of how we work with churches. It's a long, long answer. Sorry, but no, no, yeah, I love the explanation, and that's so crazy how that journey was for you. And you mentioned motorsports or motor racing outreach. You were obviously heavily involved with NASCAR, something that I'm not very familiar with. For someone that doesn't know a whole lot about racing, can you explain what your work entails with like Joe Gibbs Racing and Motorsports Outreach? Okay, that, that's great. Motor Racing Outreach was a ministry started by a gentleman named Max Helton and Daryl Waltrip and Lake Speed, some guys who were on the, the Winston Cup circuit, they called it back then. And there were a few believers, and they wanted to have a Bible study on Friday nights. And so a guy named Max Helton moved from California to Charlotte, which is kind of the mecca of NASCAR racing, okay? And they started um, MRO in about 1989, okay? Uh, I started getting involved in the about 91, 92, and Max invited me to come and go to a race. And I said, I, I don't know about that. I've never been to a race in my life, and you know, that's a long race and it'll be pretty boring. Well, I actually took two naps during the race, okay? I mean, two separate naps. It was so long. And and I was like, gosh, this is so boring. But I, I was watching it in the infield in a, in a mobile home, in a, in a, not a mobile home, but a, a um, um, what do you call it? A, uh, a, a bus type thing. And, uh, I, I said, gosh, this is, this is tough. I, I, I'm not so sure I could ever do anything like this. And so he, he invited me to do some more stuff. And eventually my wife and I started serving on the, his board. And um, uh, I eventually got involved. And uh, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. I was, I was in the garage area um, with him at probably the next race. And 
I was walking around and I was like, well, I, I guess I better meet some of these people because that's what ministry is, you know, relationships. And so I, um, this guy came walking out of this hauler and I, he looked a little familiar, but I was like, hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm Bob Dyer. I'm here with Motor Racing Outreach. I said, uh, what, what do you do? And he said, well, I'm, I'm a race car driver. And I said, really? I said, which car do you drive? He said, that black number three. And I said, oh. I said, you're Dale Earnhardt. And he oh said, yes. Goodness. I said, I've heard of you. So, so oh the, the funny God. thing was, whenever I would see him, he'd go, Dale Earnhardt. And I'd go, <laughs> Bob Dyer. And, and it was just a, a standing joke, but he, he, was, he was great. But, you know, I got to know some of the drivers. I got to know Bill Elliott. I got to know, um, you know, some guys like that. And so I started working with, with Max in 93, uh, April 1st, 1993. If you know anything about racing, that's the day that Alan Kowicki was killed. He, he was flying into Bristol, and he died in a plane crash. And that was my first day working with Motor Racing Outreach. So it was kind of a crisis. And um, so I, I started working with racing, not because I was a racing expert, but, but because I love people and love the Lord and wanted to see people come to know Christ. And I believe that's the key for sports ministry. That's the key for any ministry, but it's the, really the key for sports ministry. I, and you brought up earlier, well, I think, I don't know who mentioned it, me or you, but Joe Gibbs Racing. And Joe Gibbs Racing, for those that are listening, are driver like they have drivers like Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., and Christopher Bell, um, some of the more famous people. There you go. Um, you're you're getting you're getting with it. You're, you're getting to understand racing. I did I did some research. I did some research. We we wear we wear these big rings like this. These championship oh, yeah. rings. I have five of those. Wow. Uh, we've won five NASCAR championships, and then we've won a few Daytona 500s. So we have some of these rings. Wow. So I have about about 15 to 20 rings that of different races and different championships that we've won. So. Uh, I began serving as a chaplain in 1996. Uh, when I went to work with the MRO, we started doing some Bible studies in the race shops. Not with the guys who were traveling, but with the mechanics and the engineers and people who would build the cars. And I started doing that in, in 96 uh, when I, we started Carolina Sports Outreach. And uh, Coach Gibbs and a guy named Don Meredith asked me to just come over and begin to serve as the chaplain for Joe Gibbs Racing. We only had about 20 people then. Uh, we now have over 500 people, and we have six chaplains who work with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. Mm. Wow. So it's the largest yeah. sports chaplaincy ministry in the world, uh, from what I've been told. Yeah, we have more, so more chaplains working with his teams than any, any uh, sports chaplaincy effort uh, that we know of around the world. And in NASCAR, of all sports, of all the places. That's so funny. That's awesome. But I would love to focus today on the role of both sports chaplains and the local church in sports as seed sport. That seed sports mission is to equip those those individuals and people and groups. What should the role of chaplains in sports look like? Well, that, that that's a great question, and that's, that's somewhat debatable depending on the culture. Um, I believe that every sports chaplain ought to be a little different based on the organization or the people they're trying to minister to, right? Now, a lot of times we want to create cookie-cutter situations, don't we? We want to say, oh, well, here's what a sports chaplain should be in every case. And I go, no, I, I, don't, I don't think it's that clear. I don't think it's that, that um, simple, okay? 
I believe that the role of a sports chaplain is to be a, a testimony of Christ in, the, in an environment, in a sports environment, working with the people who are in that environment to try to uh, entice them, encourage them, win them over. There are all kinds of terms we could use uh, with the gospel. Okay. Now, at Joe Gibbs Racing, we have latitude to do a lot of different things that in England they don't have that latitude to do. Okay, mm. we, can, we can talk about the Bible. We have a team meeting, and, and we'll have 500 people there. And there are only two people who speak, Coach Gibbs and then me at the end. And I'll lead in prayer at the end, and I'll pray for us in Jesus' name. Okay, and that's accepted in our culture. Okay, and so that's acceptable. Now, not everybody at Joe Gibbs Racing are Christians, clearly. Okay, but everybody there understands that that's the role of the chaplains is to help people grow in their relationship with God and help them understand who who God really is. Okay, and so uh, we have great latitude to do some very uh, unique things. Uh, we have large group Bible studies. We have small group Bible studies. We do one-on-one -on -one counseling. We do discipleship with guys one-on-one -on -one and in small groups. We do amazing things just merely because Coach Gibbs and his executives there, Dave Alpern um, and other guys, Dave is the president, um, J.D. Gibbs and Coy Gibbs, Joe's two sons who have, who have passed away, they're already in heaven, but they, uh, they set the pace for what we're really doing ministry-wise there with Joe Gibbs Racing, okay? And so what we do at Joe Gibbs Racing is going to be very different than what they do in England or Australia or China or other countries. But the role of a sports chaplain is to bring the light of the gospel into that environment. Sometimes it means that you, you can't even talk about Christianity, okay? You, you're merely there to build a relationship, okay? So Christ, uh, sports chaplaincy cannot be done in a cookie-cutter way, okay? And I think that's a key part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And how have you seen athletes and, I mean, drivers, how have you seen them utilize chaplains within their teams and in their sport? Well, lots of different ways. Um, and, and our ministry, uh, it, you know, we have, you know, six or eight drivers who are part of Joe Gibbs Racing, but we have over 500 employees. So we, have, we really minister to the whole team, not just the drivers, okay? Yeah. Uh, there are many athletes. We, we have about uh, probably 50 guys who are on our pit crews. It may be a larger, larger number than that, maybe 80. Um, and those guys are athletes, let me tell you. They come from uh, Alabama, from uh, Texas, from different places where they've played college football, and now they're a pit crew member on a NASCAR team. And these are big guys, you know, uh, jack men and... and uh, um, the gas men and, and uh, jack men and stuff, and they, they are big, strong guys, and they're working out every day, and they're working as a team to improve their speed on their pit crews, okay? Because mm. that's oftentimes how the, how the race is really won. So yeah. um, we look for opportunities to be able to influence those guys. Uh, one of our key chaplains at, at Joe Gibbs Racing, a guy named Hudson Belk, is now leading a uh, Bible study every Monday with all of our pit crew guys, all of them, and they all come, okay? And then they break up into small groups to talk about what they've just learned, okay? Probably 80% of those guys are not Christians, okay? But they get to understand and, and uh, 
uh, for the first time really read and understand the Bible and understand the gospel. And so that's exciting for us. Uh, and so we're seeing guys who are uh, really interested in uh, what Christianity is all about, who may not have had any other exposure. Did, did you ever expect that God could work in a place like NASCAR or just in any sport in general? Did you ever think that he would work at, at, as much as he did or has? It's really, um, in, in my, from my perspective, <clears throat> I'm always a little bit surprised that God is at work in such a simple, basic uh, way as sports. Uh, a lot of times people view sports ministry as working with elite athletes. Okay? I do not. I, I do not think that that's the primary way that we ought to be doing sports ministry. Sports ministry is a way to build relationships with people at a personal level. Okay? One of the guys that I'm discipling right now is a guy who was uh, head of our engineering department. Okay, and he had never come to a Bible study. Okay, he knew. He, he told me that his wife was a Christian, but he was not. He said, "I am not a Christian." He said, "But Bob, would you start meeting with me every week? I just want to start learning." And I said, "Sure." So we started meeting. Uh, two years later, he committed his life to Christ. We were meeting every week for two weeks. Okay, he committed his life to Christ. He's now. I'm now discipling him. And he is growing like a weed, okay? He is just doing fantastic. Now, how else could I have that relationship with him other than to be a chaplain there and to be able to, to connect with him on a weekly basis? And so we're not, we're not after the masses. What we're after is we're after being faithful to the people that God connects us with. And sometimes we'll have 100 guys at a, at a big, what we call our big Bible study at the cup shop, and sometimes we'll have 40. That's okay. Numbers is not what we're after. We're after impact. How do we impact people? How do we help people understand the gospel, the good news of the gospel? Okay. That's God. What, what God does with that is up to him. Okay. Our job is to be faithful and obedient, to live out the gospel and to preach the gospel. And we, we need to use words to do it. Yep, exactly. And I think in the culture today, we're so focused on quantity. We're so focused on how many people follow us, how many people <clears throat> like what we're doing. And I think God calls us to emphasize quality over quantity. And I think Seed Sports and you obviously are doing that within your sphere. Well, that's, that's our goal. And, and that's hard to do because there are pushes from every angle for us to talk about numbers. Okay. I mean, I did it earlier when I talked about how many chaplains we have and how many people there are. But the impact numbers, we typically don't like to talk about those impact numbers because that's not, that's, that's not us. That's what God's doing. And we don't really know for certain what God is doing in people's hearts. Okay? I have yet to be able to know what your heart is right now, Ken. Okay? You don't know what my heart is. There's no way for you to know that. Okay? Um, our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know them, right? And so God knows our hearts. He knows what he's doing. He knows how he's trying to change us and to bring us to a place of repentance and faith. And he knows how he's trying to change us then to be more like Christ. And that's his work. So it's, it's a, such a fun thing to be involved in the blocking and tackling of ministry, which is evangelism and discipleship. 
And I believe evangelism is all about relationships. I believe that's why discipleship is all about relationships. Okay, It leads to that. The problem people have is they do evangelism proclamationally, and then they can't figure out how to do discipleship because they don't have any relationships. And so uh, we believe, we try to teach people relational ministry. Building relationships through in evangelism lead to discipleship. If I've been able to, to make a difference in a, a person's life by sharing the gospel, and I use all kinds of tools. It isn't about me, okay? I'm convinced I could talk about Mickey and Minnie Mouse to some people, and they're going to say, well, how do I, how do I commit my life to Christ? Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not the work of Bob. Yeah, and I, I can relate to, to to quality over numbers because doing a podcast, I mean, pretty much what everybody asks you is how many listens do you get, and I, it's easy to fall into that trap. And I think it's a nice reminder to just remember why God has called you into sports ministry or doing a podcast or you know just being on a team. It's it's about living out what Christ is and the light that He is. That's right. That's right. So that, that's, that's really important for us to encourage each other to, to remember that. He's called us to be faithful and obedient. So on the flip side of that, for the local church, what should the role of the local church be in the sports context? Well, let me say this, that you've already interviewed the guy who is probably the world leader in how to work with churches, Bob Schindler. Okay? And he's been part of our ministry for almost 20 years. Uh, when he came to work with us, I probably would have said I was probably one of those people. But Bob has focused primarily on churches, and I've focused primarily on chaplaincy for the last 20 years with him. And so he's probably the most knowledgeable guy. So I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things that I think about. But, uh, but Bob is really uh, kind of developed a, a methodology. He's an engineer, much like I am, uh, and he thinks uh, systematically. Uh, but... Um, uh, I, I think the role of the local church in sports ministry, again, has got to be building relationships. How do we build relationships with people who would never come hear the pastor preach, but would come and play sports with us on Wednesday night, or Tuesday night, or Thursday night, or Saturday morning? Um, we realized that we were onto something when, um, when I had started this ministry called SOAR at Christ Covenant back in 1990. And uh, in about a year and a half, we went from 100 kids playing t-ball to over 2,000 families involved with our sports ministry. And uh, about 75% of them were from outside of our church. And we realized we were onto something when the pastor showed up one Saturday and the parking lot was full, but there was no preaching going on and no worship services, but it was all about sports. And there were more non-believers on our property for that than any Sunday service we ever had, okay? Mm -hmm. And we realized that we really had an opportunity to reach people with the gospel through sports by mobilizing people in the local church to build relationships by just playing sports with them. And so what we've got to equip people in the local church how to do that. How do they do that? And a lot of times they're, they're taught or they're preached at that they have to go, you know, be be preachy with people. They don't. They really just have to love people and tell them about, about their, own, their own need for Christ and their need to help people understand who Christ really is and what Jesus has done. So um, it, it, it's, a, it's a pretty simple thing, 
uh, we make it too complicated sometimes. We make it too hard. And it really isn't that hard, okay? Um, I, I, play, I play golf. I love to play golf, okay? I played in college for a couple of years, and I love to play golf. And I love to just go to the golf course, and I sometimes just put me with a group. And now, is my job then to share the gospel with all three of those guys that I'm playing golf with? Well, possibly, but I doubt it, okay? Uh, but my job is to be salt and light to them, okay? And if I'm really salty to them, I'm going to make them thirsty to understand Christianity, okay? And so my job is to be a reflection of Christ in how I deal with those guys and in some way to be uh, pointing them toward what, what's it like to have a relationship with God. And, you know, I've never met anybody who said, I don't want to have a relationship with God. I've never met anybody who said no. Okay, I've met a lot of people who say, I'm not sure God is there. I'm not sure what God is like. I don't know a lot about God. I don't know a lot about the Bible. All, all those answers I get. But I've never met somebody who said, I don't, you know, I, I believe there's a God and I don't want to have a relationship with him. I mean, that just that's pretty rare. So, so what we want to do is we want to constantly mobilize people in the local church to use activities, all different types of sports activities, whether it's when you go play golf, whether it's when you go to the Y, whether it's go to work out, go, go see a trainer. Use those opportunities as opportunities to be a reflection of Christ. When you get paired up with you know a team of three and you're just on a random golf course, you don't realize the impact you can have by simply not getting mad if you hit a bad shot, by simply just being calm and showing others that you don't have to act a certain way when you're on the golf course. Because I know that's, that was a struggle for me at first in my Christian walk was trying to, especially at golf, because I'm terrible at golf. It's just so hard to keep your composure. <laughs> but it shows when you are different from the golf culture, it shows a lot about who you are and who Christ is, too. I played, I played golf with a guy one day, and I had no idea who he was or what background he came from. But he, uh, by, by the end of the first hole, he told me that he was Jewish. And I said, oh, well, that, that's great, you know. And um, uh, he said, how about you? And I said, well, I, I'm a Christian. And he said, really? He said, would you, would you tell me about how Christianity is very different than Judaism? And I said, I'd be glad to try to do that. And so we started talking about that. Well, by the time we finished nine holes, I mean, I, I told him everything I knew about Christianity. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, and, and he was like, this was really helpful to me today. You know, could we, could we play again? I'm like, well, if you really want to, I'll be glad to. You know, it's up to you. Uh, but but it's, it's just an interesting thing how when we, are, when we really just care about people and want to, and want to, share our lives with those people that there are opportunities now it's a it's a big part of you know what what is the holy spirit doing at that particular moment in the in the life of that person or maybe in your life and and i think oftentimes we we feel like we have to share how successful we are or how god has has done all these good things uh, my my daughter's going through cancer right now okay and she puts out a she puts out a caring bridge update and God is using her update to impact people that I believe are not believers. And they're reading about how she's in the midst of suffering, going through cancer, 
And yet God is in her life and in her midst and is giving her peace in the midst of the storm. And I believe that we're going to be more effective when things are tough and things are not going the way we want them to go. And when we see our own sin as Christians and we're honest about it. And that's one of the things that we need to be. Uh, I'm, I'm going to a church now that really the pastors talk about their own sin. And there's some people who are like, no, you, you, you can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. Because it, it makes you real. It makes, it makes the gospel come alive to say, hey, how is the gospel really at work in your life uh, to, to change you and to help you really see the good news of the gospel in the midst of your sinful experience? So um, I think with young, young people your age, Ken, are, are just better at that than us old guys. You know, we, we wanted to tell how, how we avoided sin. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the younger generation today is very open about talking about how they struggle and what they're struggling with. And I think that's much more realistic and going to impact our world uh, much quicker and much better than uh, the strategy that we used uh, in my generation. I mean, for myself early on in my, um, well, I, I guess I really wasn't a Christian um, early on Early on in my, I thought I was a Christian, but I, I didn't really accept Christ into my life. I would try to hide my sin and... It wasn't who I am, and I, I wasn't honest with myself, and I wasn't honest with the people that wanted to know about that. And I think, I, I'm sure they saw right through me. I'm sure they could see the lies that, that I had told. But yeah, it's 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 so easy to hide, try to hide your sin. And to be honest, it's it's so freeing when you're able to discuss those things and be honest with yourself and the people that you love and people that love you too. Oh yeah, and, and I think in the, in the sports world, we haven't done a very good job of really helping people talk about their own pride, their own yeah. ego, their own selfishness that, that show up all the time when we play sports, okay? Mm. And uh, you know, I, I, I play golf with a good friend of mine and he, he gets so upset when he plays golf. And, and I try to tell him, say, hey, I, I, I understand you're upset, but you know, this, this, 50 years from now, this ain't going to matter. No. I mean, this really doesn't matter. Just enjoy the day and enjoy playing golf. And he's a good golfer, so he's concerned about his score. And I, I get that. I am too. Okay. But, but when, we, when we really boil it right down to it, those things really don't matter a whole lot. Right. And, and we're much better off to, to – uh, I played golf with a guy the other day, and he was – from, from the first tee, he was, he was using curse words and, and you know, he, his language was such that I was like, I don't think this guy's probably a believer. And, you know, that was probably pretty clear. And so my job was to just, to just try to care for him and get to know him, et cetera. And we, by the time we finished the round, he said, Bob, this was fantastic today. Could, let's play golf again. And I was like, okay, you know, I'd be glad to, you know. And so I, I kind of really wait for God to open up doors uh, when you are playing golf with somebody or you're doing something with somebody to, to, till they're ready to hear. And, and when they ask questions, uh, then you know, okay, something's going on here. God's, God's at work in his, his life in some way. And, uh, and that's a part of what we train people to do. How do, you, how do you really build relationships with people without being preachy? Because yeah. uh, I, I don't think I don't think Jesus was that way. 
I think Jesus looked for ways to ask questions. He asked a lot more questions than he answered. Okay. And, uh, yeah. and I think we don't really, we're not very good at that. Yeah. You have to emphasize God's timing over your timing because it, your timing is never going to win. Trust me. It's, it's never going to. We tend to think it's our job to close deals for God. And you know what? <laughs> he, he doesn't need us to do that. No. He, he just not. wants us to be available, you know, yeah. and he'll do the work. And uh, we we got to we got to know how to how to do that. We got to be trained, and that's what we try to train people in churches to do: is how do they use sports as a tool in their local church, in and through their local church. There are lots of opportunities, but most people are scared to death. <coughs> Excuse me, most people are scared to death to come to the local church because they think they're going to get preached at and yelled at. And you know what? If that's if that's the case, I'm not so sure I'd go either. We have a high view of the local church, yeah. and we think the local church really is God's, um, God's way of working in this world, and he is, he is trying to draw men and women to a relationship with Christ. Absolutely, absolutely. So now, as we kind of tie a bow on this conversation, for athletes, what is, what is the role of athletes and coaches and fans and just people that love sports within the local church? Because... There's so many different things like upward basketball and so many things like that that athletes can be involved in. But how how does seed sports emphasize that? Yeah, there's there's lots of different ways you could do that, and there's no no right way. Okay, we try to emphasize. We try to really focus on how do we equip the local church. Okay, now there are a lot of ministries when we started and still doing it. There are a lot of ministries that want to come in and do sports for you. Okay. They want to run your sports program. Okay. We, that's not what we do. What we want to do is we want to equip people in your church how to use sports to impact your community. Okay. And so that's what we're about. We're, and we don't care whether they're athletes or not athletes. Okay. Uh, I mean, I knew nothing about NASCAR. Okay. And now I've been the chaplain for Joe Gibbs Racing for 30 years. Okay. Well, how, how did that happen? You know, well, it, it's not what you, it's not what you know about sports is what you know about people and the gospel. And so I think that's the difference is that we've, we've kind of overemphasized, uh, if you, if you had a, a little picture of sports ministry for most people, sports would be about this big, the letters sports and ministry would be about this big. Okay. <laughs> and what we want to do is flip that around. We want sports to be about this big. And ministry to be about this big. And what that means is we have to figure out how do we use sports to impact people with the gospel. Okay. And there are lots of good ways to do it. And and there's no right way. There are organizations who say, Oh, we're gonna do it this way, and I go, Great, praise the Lord, do it that way. And and you, you we ought to utilize that when we can, but that's not necessarily the right way for everybody. Okay. And I think that's the problem, is it there, there were people in the sports ministry movement who said, well, we have to do it this way or we have to do it that way. Uh, and a, a lot of times people would leave the church out because they're like, well, the church doesn't really understand sports ministry. you know. So we're going to leave the church out. And we're going to like, no, we think that is the army of God. That is the, yeah. the, the biggest group of people uh, that God is going to work through is the church. So let's mobilize the church. And there really were no ministries out there doing that when we started Seed Sports. And so that's why we do what we do, is we're trying to mobilize churches, 
mobilize the army rather than going out there and doing it for everybody. And there are a lot of good ministries who will go in and do it and do kids programs and do adult programs, et cetera. And that's, that's what um, uh, you, you mentioned the one a minute ago with um, um, Upward. Upward. Uh, and, and they try to give you a, a, a here's, here's a notebook of exactly how to do this. Okay. And, and that's great if you want to follow that. It, that's, that's good. Uh, we think we think you'd be better off if you really equip people to understand why they do what they do, mm. and and to think through it and and to figure out hey how do we want to do it in this community in our culture, and how do we take people in our church and really equip them to do sports ministry, whether it's through a program of the church or whether it's something else. Uh, I, I'll tell you a good example. Uh, Bob Schindler and I were meeting with a pastor recently. And um, we said, hey, do you guys have a sports ministry? He said, no, we, we, we don't really have a sports ministry. And so then we started talking about all the different outreach tools, outreach things that they were doing in the church. And they ended up having about 11 different sports that they were involved in where they were seeing people come to know Christ. And I was like, you know, for a church that says you don't do sports ministry, you're probably the best church we've ever talked to about sports ministry. Okay. But if you call the church office and said, hey, uh, can I speak with the person in charge of sports ministry? They'd say, well, we don't have one. Okay. But they were doing all kinds of sports ministry. And I was like, that's great. So you know what we're going to do? We're really going to try to get those people together who are kind of leading those efforts and get them together one night and kind of talk to them about what they're doing and why they do it and if there are things we can do to help them. Okay. Whether it's an organized ministry of the church or not is not really that important to us what's more important is are they do they see how to use sports to impact people with the gospel for both evangelism and discipleship yeah and i mean kind of relating that back to sports chaplaincy like you you mentioned there's no cookie cutter way to sports chaplain there's no really cookie cutter way for a church to disciple through sports but Bob, as we do close it down today, I, I can't thank you enough for joining me and just creating opportunities for athletes and people all over through sports. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. It's, it's fun to talk about what God has done through seed sports. And uh, uh, we have people in uh, five continents right now who are trying to do the same thing. And we, uh, we appreciate your prayer for our ministry and uh, appreciate your... Well, for everyone listening, please share this episode and click the follow button. It really does help us out a lot. Uh, If you don't get anything else from this, just remember this. God loves you, and he's going to fight for you no matter what. Talk to you next time.